Okay, I'm going solo today. George is out of town. Expect him back next week. Uh, over the last couple of months, we have identified uh, some of the rules uh, by which we have uh, lived, uh, both overt rules, those of, you know, spoken kind of above the line rules, as well as covert rules that may never be spoken but are still very powerful in guiding our actions, our behaviors. So we've talked about that. Uh, these rules uh, certainly at times in our lives have been useful for getting needs met, uh, but they may or may not serve us well presently. You know? So we've talked about how rules may have been functional uh, in one context at one time and, and may or may not translate right, to a present context or a present time. And uh, this is part of the work that, that I do with, with clients as a, as a family systems therapist. One of the things that I really enjoy doing is talking to clients about how they navigated life growing up, right? What they learned about how to do life how to, in some cases, the, the, the apt word would even be survive, right? Uh, for some of us, uh, our growing up experience may, may not, um, we may not think in terms of survival, but whether we think in terms of just navigating life or outright survival, we all found ways to do that, right? We found ways to cope, we found ways to adapt, We've, and, and we created for ourselves uh, or, and or, we received from those around us rules that many of us may still be living by even today. Uh, I want to share with, I, I want to then move today. I want to move from the discussion of rules that, that we've been doing for the last couple of months and move to this third learning objective, which is, more specifically than rules in general, what did we learn to do to navigate relationships, right? As I've said, what are the current versions of those behaviors, and how well are those working for us today? So that's, that's what we're, we're moving to. And I want to start today by sharing some examples of things that I've heard repeatedly from clients over the years. And this is by no means an exhaustive list. Okay, I'm, I'm uh, not at all, uh, you can see I've got five examples that I'm gonna put up here. And, and I'm not at all suggesting these are the only five ways that we might have learned to navigate a family of origin, if you're curious about that, right? But back then, Right, whenever that was, for some of us then was longer ago than for others of us, but whatever you consider back then in your family of origin, in your churches of origin, right? What were the, the rules that helped you to navigate family of origin? And then now in our current relationship, how does that manifest itself? How does it show up now? Uh, and so let me just start with one as an example, 
Okay. Some of us, growing up, learned that it served us well to be funny. Right? And uh, what's true sometimes in classroom systems can be true in family systems. Right? Just like classrooms sometimes have one or two people who serve in that role of the class clown, you know. Um, families sometimes have the, the family clown or the family comic or the, you know, uh, the, the family mascot, you know, whatever term you might use to capture that idea of a person who brings levity and lightheartedness in order to get by and navigate in sometimes difficult circumstances. Uh, I remember one classmate uh, talking about uh, class clown. One classmate, you know, I, I went to kindergarten with this guy, grew up, went through the public school system, graduated in the same class as him. He could throw his voice and sound exactly like the office on the intercom. <laughs> Brilliant. And he could get you called out of class. <laughs> and this was a service that he made available. <laughs> right. uh, he is now the senior minister of one of the largest Methodist churches in the state of Alabama. <laughs> um, uh, using his voice for, for good, right? Uh, these days. But just as we understand that concept in classrooms, we probably understand it in families. Now, fast forward that to adult relationships. Let's say a relationship like marriage, for example. Right? Sometimes in marriage, things are tense. There are serious concerns. Right? There are, there are conversations that require us to, to be focused and to be serious. And what might have worked to get by in an earlier context, our partner may not always appreciate. You hear me? You get what I'm saying? Right? We, in, in my family of origin, um, I can relate to this. I, I often played this role. Uh, often through sarcasm. And um, I, Anna's uh, subbing in one of the classes. She's not here today. But, it, you know, she, if she were here, she could testify that sometimes, even today, after being married almost 30 years, I will use sarcasm, right, as an attempt to manage situations in a way that she doesn't fully appreciate. Right? So that's what, that, that's what I mean when I say, you know, we learn to do something, and often, if it functioned for us, we continue to do it just in an adult context. So let me, um, uh, let, let me put a few more up here. And if you have questions, thoughts, comments... Uh, examples would would love to hear from you as we go. I don't have a specific you know question to pose to the group, but uh, certainly uh, the the floor is open 
Uh, some of us learned that the best way to navigate our families of origin was to hide. Keep a low profile. Don't call attention to myself. Right? Go unnoticed. And if I could do that effectively, not make waves, I had a more peaceful existence growing up. Now, the adult relationship version of that, when I slip into this behavior, I may become avoidant of important things that need to be dealt with. And yet that skill I developed, if you will, of going unnoticed can kind of kick in. And I just try to keep a low profile and avoid and or isolate myself from, you know, someone who might be bringing a particularly difficult or challenging conversation to my attention. Okay? Questions, comments about either of these first two. A third possibility, and again, not an exhaustive list, but things we see commonly. Some of us learned that the best way to get by in growing up was to achieve. And in particular, in those things that are measurable. We love measurables, don't we? GPA can be measured. Uh, First place, second place, third place can be measured. Right? And so whether we achieved with things that were um, recognized with ribbons, plaques, medals, whether we achieved with, in ways that are recognized on report cards, whatever that might be, some of us found that this was the best way to navigate life growing up. And an adult version of that can be, you know, for some of us, nothing wrong with working hard, but some of us want to work hard even at things beyond our control to the point that our energy is going overwhelmingly, sometimes maybe exclusively, into work. And it's not spread to other areas that are also important. Okay? Questions, comments, thoughts? Yeah, Gary? Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I've learned growing up, but, but more so observed mm-hmm. working with people, is that people who have achieved, who have earned mm-hmm. by working hard, working longer, getting more education, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that has been so successful for them yes. that they apply it in areas where it doesn't apply. Yes. And when it gets to relationships, the only thing they know to do and what, what makes sense for them is to try harder yes. and to push more, yeah. be more intense, more free, all those kinds of things that work with measurable objectives, right? And it doesn't work in relationships. Relationships are inherently different. They are. But they cannot sometimes stop from doing it. And because it's hard yeah. doing the relationship thing, once they're in a relationship, they retreat back into things that hard work, repeated effort does pay off. 
Yes. With, as you put it, measurable objectives. Measurable. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I, I, I see the same thing. And uh, yeah, I really affirm, affirm what you're saying. I'm, as, as I'm listening to you talk about that, I'm thinking about, for example, what if there was a, a relationship between a person who grew up learning the way I solve my problems is work hard and someone who grew up learning the way I solve my problems is retreat, right? And the work hard person is saying, well, the solution to this is I'm just going to pursue my avoided partner even harder, right? And the avoided partner is seeing the pursuer come after them and they're like, I'm going to avoid even more. I like that. This is like an object lesson. I'm going to hide here. I had an 11th grade uh, history teacher once who taught an entire lesson on American isolationism behind a curtain. And that, just, that memory just hit me right now as, as I was moving behind that curtain. Um, that's a good teacher. That was a long time ago, and I remember that. Um, but you get what I'm saying, right? So one is doing what they learned to do. The other's doing what they learned to do, right? Uh, both might need to consider doing something different. Right. A couple more examples of what this could look like. Uh, so some of us uh, learn to look good, right? And I, I don't just mean... Um, physical appearance, although certainly that could be a part of it, but just appear good, right? Make, make good impressions, right? That, that's how I get by, is I, I put lots of energy into giving people the impression that I am good, and a way that that could sort of uh, morph over time would be to really become, become uh, deceptive, you know? There's this unwanted scrutiny. I, I don't want someone to know me well enough to have the idea that there might be parts of me that aren't as good as I would like them to think that those parts are. And so, maybe not even with an intent to do so, I sort of live with deception, right? In an attempt to manage your perception of me to look as good as I can possibly look, right? Questions, thoughts, comments? I'll add to this one, and then, and then we'll see if anyone wants to speak to it. A similar idea uh, to look good is to actually... Be good, right? Not break rules. Do everything right. Um, and it probably doesn't surprise anyone to, you know, to know that that sort of thing over time could, could kind of turn into this impossible pursuit of a, of a perfection that can never be fully attained, right? Oh, no, I can, I can attain it. Yeah, you can. I, mean, I didn't mean you. I didn't mean you, Mike. I mean, everybody else in the room. A few of you are exceptions. You know who you are. You don't need me to point you out. Right. Yeah. 
But that there is that belief, right? I surely on some level there there is some secret. Maybe I haven't yet fully uh, I discovered it, but there's some secret to being good uh, enough. And again, these I didn't really. I created these in the sense that I kept track of what people were telling me, but th these are just things I hear, right? Over and over and over again. So, uh, so again, let me stop. Any questions, comments, thoughts about this? I'm going to be going Brian? off yeah. topic with this, but, um, or maybe this is where you're going. Like, I, I figure it's one of the two. We'll find out, yeah. Um, but I see, I see parts of many of these in myself. Sure. Um, and, and I see some things that have their roots in good impulses. Yes, yes. But when I see them described in the role in the current relationship, they're either negative or I'm reading them that way. Yeah. And see, that many things go wrong, such <laughs> a small screen, uh, makes me wonder about rules that we learn to navigate our family of origin yeah. that result in some of the positive things we might bring yeah. to Yeah. So, well, every single one of those has a positive side, right? Yeah. Being funny it is great to reduce tension, as long as you don't take it to extreme and use it as deflection. Right. right? But, but yeah. So, so every single one of I would I would say the role in current relationships when taken to extreme. Yeah. Right. So to 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 both of your points. Yeah. Um, The context in which the, these are the conversations I'm having. The context for that is these conversations are happening in therapy with people who are struggling or dissatisfied in some way, right? So this is where the conversations are often starting, right? Here's a challenge I'm having. Here's a problem I'm experiencing, right? And so then we're sort of mapping that backward. I wonder where you learned that, right? So the, I think the context is skewing it in that direction somewhat. But let me jump ahead to something that I would eventually get to, but I think this comment makes it appropriate to go ahead and move to. And I think this is a key point, and, and I think it's very consistent. Brian, if I understand your comment, it's consistent with what you're suggesting. Any particular behavior may be functional on one level and dysfunctional or, or problematic on another, right? And it is important, I think, that we, that we recognize that. So, as you said, my, like being funny, and no one's suggesting that that no longer functions, right? It certainly functions at times. It works for me. In fact, it probably works for me enough that I can I continue to go to that, right? It, it continues to reinforce that. But there are times 
There are, there are some contexts in which it's not working for me, and yet if I've not been thoughtful and examined my tendency, I'm still pressing into that in those times when it's, uh, when it's not working. Is that, does that help with your concern, Ryan? Yeah. Uh, and, and to say any particular action, I know can seem like an, an extreme statement, but, you know, but even take something that I think all of us would agree is not something we would aspire to, okay? Like an addiction. None of us may aspire to an addiction. But does an addiction have some functions? You better believe it does. Right? It's functioning in some ways. It's serving some purposes or meeting some needs in our life, even if it's not the ideal way to do that. Yes. Uh, growing up, my history teacher taught me that some people use, and in our community we call it going off. Yeah. Uh, expressing extreme anger to make people leave you alone. <laughs> and I think sometimes I've encountered people that they explode on you. And that's a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. To say, get out of my face, leave me alone. So that happens in relationships too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Partner may not want to be so they That's right. Yeah. Regurgitate. Yeah. And so it's another great that could that could easily be added here, right? It's another great example of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And again, there there's a function there, right? There's a, there's a very protective function of being able to keep people from coming at me, attacking me. But it's maybe not functioning so well in my marriage or when I'm trying to uh, repair a relationship with a sibling or whatever the case might be. Yeah, great. Uh, other, other thoughts on, on this, uh, especially this idea about how, how these things can be both. These, these roles can be both functional and dysfunctional or useful and problematic. Um, yes? Oh, the, the officers may not be of the magnitude some of these. Yeah. Are, and I, I think on the family of origin, a lot of times it's tradition. Sure. The way you've done things. Yeah. And then in the current relationship, fast forward and navigating holidays or whatever it may be, yeah. really doesn't work. Right. That's how you've always done it. It's how you've always done it. And so yeah. disrupting that is a challenge. Dis- yeah, that, I, I want to say that last part, uh, make sure everyone heard, disrupting that is a challenge, which we'll talk a little bit more about. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Yeah. That's exactly. I was going to say what being funny is great. And one of the worst times or stressful times in my life, I remember saying, oh, I've lost my funny. Mm. So it is when a lot of your identity mm-hmm. yeah. is wrapped up in those things that you've used really successfully. Yeah. Not even in a bad way, yeah. but when it's gone. Um, and my late husband, when he got sick, he could no longer do, you know, and that was what he did. Yeah. That's how he showed love, was yeah. doing Yes, and, yes. Yeah, that's, that really is a conflict that gets pulled out. It's, 
it's a it's such an important point you're making about the degree to which our identity is is wrapped up in in one or more of these things right uh, it's it's core to our identity it's central to our identity uh, which reminds me of you know something we talked about much earlier in the in the court in the term you know this idea of differentiation of self right who who am I what what is my identity right uh, where do I stop and someone else starts right and what uh, Roberta Gilbert who's who's one of my favorite authors on this subject of differentiation what she says about that is that you know, making self-differentiated moves, that they are not accomplished by trying to change the people around us, right? But by attending to our own reactions and our own ways of relating, which is why we're having these, these conversations. Now, to that point, I heard you say something else, which is something along the lines of when I'm stressed, right? Um, I, I think that's a, another key idea here because something that I want to suggest to you about the things on this chart or other examples that you might think about. When the stress gets high enough in life, we tend to do whatever we learned to do originally to navigate life. When, when the stress gets high, that's when we're most likely right, to sort of retreat into those default roles uh, because they work. So even if now they're not working as well for us, our tendency under enough stress is to fall back into this pattern. Yes? Excuse me. I said relationships, how much does that play into the parameters of our relationship? For example, we're not going to do the same thing at home with a spouse as we would at work with a child. I mean, it's a different... Yes. The, the boundaries of, the rela- of those two relationships are different. But I do think there are... I mean, let me go back to this. I do think there are probably work versions of some of these things, things that, that, that are sort of the work version within the, those type of relationships with work type boundaries. And then there are versions of this in relationships, more personal relationships. I agree. The, the, the boundaries around how funny I'm going to try to be and work may be different than how funny I'm going to try to be at home. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I suspect, though, that we still are pulled to this. We just boundary it a little bit differently. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Environments, different jobs. Yeah. What work for them in a different environment? Yeah. Does work for me more, and they figure it out, or they fired. They figure it out. They adapt, 
or they're not able to to do that new role. Yeah. Yeah. Or or to to pack, piggyback on what John said, you might not be funny with your boss because you might not be comfortable with that. Yes. But you were certainly going to use that with your peers. At the water cooler. In, or in, in the yeah. workplace. Right? Yeah. Or you know, in a different channel. Yeah. But it'll still be there. Yeah, I think you're right. It'll be there, just manifest somewhere. You, you just, you just will wall. You like you're saying, yeah. the boundary will just not include the wall. Yeah, yeah, I think that's all. Yeah. So, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Aren't so those things like the things we do? We talked about like whether or not we, how much we identify with that. Yeah. To some extent, aren't those things part of who? Like, aren't they us? You know, weren't we shaped by those experiences? And that's yes. who we are. Yeah, that was my same, my same thought. Yes, we all have a family of origin. Yes, but they're all unique. Yes. So these are just some of the characteristics that come out of that, depending on if you were first born or last born, or you know. Well, I think yeah. about my husband. I, I overshare. That's my plan. <laughs> 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 my husband's always like. Like, like maybe, like he probably would see that as like a, a, a problematic thing at times. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, this is who I am. I don't have a filter. It just comes out. Mm -hmm. It's parent. This is a thing that I. I mean, sometimes it does cause problems. But it's also a thing I like about myself. Mm -hmm. So like, is this part of? We have this conversation often. Where it's like, is this a thing that I should work on, or is this part right. of who I am? Right. All right. And, and let me ask you a question. Because if you're hearing this, that's a concern for me. Are you hearing me say, "Don't, don't be yourself"? No, well, okay. I guess, and I mean, yeah, no, I'm not taking this critically. Oh, but okay. I'm just like, okay. the, the whole idea is, if it's causing problems, then that's obviously something we want to shift. Yes, yes, yeah, we want to. That's right. We want to become aware of it, right? And I think in particular, we want to become aware of when we're putting all our energy into things that are not working right they once worked we're continuing to do it they're not working now we want to be aware of that here and then the, i think i saw him okay yeah. i think for me i think it's certainly applicable to some of the contextual conversation yeah it's not a it's not binary it's not on or off right it's not Thank a light you. yes yeah it's, yeah it's a dimmer at best right so <laughs> you, you can dial it yeah. to be appropriate yes. on them. So I think yeah. that's how I yeah. think it up. Look, yeah. this is good up to here in this situation. I find that helpful. Do you find that helpful? I, well, I don't think I have a dimmer. I think <laughs> <laughs> you can install them, though. I've done it. <laughs> I've installed uh, several dimmers at the house. It can be done. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, awesome. That, like, yeah. We think a lot about it in terms of how you're coping with it, uh -huh. adapting to it. Yeah. So again, it's kind of thinking, is it functioning for me or not? And that's something if you're functional or dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. Is it something I use to cope with and is it a healthy coping mechanism? Right. Or is it something that's impacting me in a negative way? Right. Am I adapting in a positive way? Right. Or, you know, because we know, you know, things happen in life, and we do have to cope and adapt them. But yeah. what are what are the tools that we're using, and are they good for us? Yes. Are they yes. Impacting that in a negative way. So it's the boundary concept. Okay. That that's yeah. Thank you for adding that piece because 
Again, something can be both functional and dysfunctional, right? And if I, if I have insight into, here's what this does. Here's the need that it meets, right? Here's how it works for me. There's rarely ever a problem with the need that's getting there. There's rarely ever a problem with the ends, right? Um, but are the means that I'm using the best or the most effective, right? Mm -hmm. Do I need to consider some, some alternatives mm -hmm. but still get to that same legitimate need? Like, like I was at a, um, I was speaking at a, a thing, a, like a workshop for youth ministries one. And I was talking about mental health, um, you know, just some basic tools for them, you know, to kind of help them with, with uh, their students that might have some mental health challenges before, you know, referring them. And somebody asked a question, which is a pretty typical question to ask. They said, well, what about kids who are just doing this for attention? It's an interesting question, you know. Um, and I thought about that, and my answer to that is... Um, that question got asked like needing attention is a character flaw, right? What's wrong with needing attention, right? I suspect every kid in every youth group ever, on some level, has some need for attention, right? The problem isn't the underlying need, right? It's how they may be acting out, perhaps, in an effort to get that, that need met. So really important, I think, that we separate the need from uh, how we're going about getting that need met. Yeah, I, I saw another hand I thought, but maybe not. Okay, uh, so again, thank you, thank you for that. Let, let, me, um, let me take a moment or two here. Uh, we're, we're already, since we started late, we're, we're already pretty much at the end of our time, but um, I want to I say a couple of things that might help us as we move forward here. Um, it is possible to hold on to the necessary need-meeting function of an undesirable role, but replace it with a role that may be more desirable. For example, pursuing the appearance of perfection, which we talked about earlier, might elicit positive attention from others, but so too might being transparent and honest. You see? That's two very different behaviors. Acting perfect is very different from being transparent and honest about my flaws. But both have the potential, right, to result in some, some much needed uh, attention, right? Uh, and what I want to talk about sort of as we, as we move uh, in future weeks I want to talk a little bit more about um, how we do that, right? Um, I want to go to Scripture for guidance in this process of how we do that, right? And when I say that, remind you of what Gilbert said, right? I tend to our reactions and our ways of relating. I want to go to Scripture for guidance in this. But I also want to talk about how some of these things might show up and manifest themselves in church-specific iterations, right? We've sort of laid, like we did with the rules, 
we, we kind of tried to create an understanding of how rules work by talking about family. Then we move those into the family of God. I'd like to do the same thing here as we move forward. Uh, again, uh, with this uh, end in mind here of thinking about what did we learn to do to navigate relationships? What are the current versions of those behaviors? How well do those work currently? Certainly in our marriages and in our friendships and, and in our families, but even more specifically, how do those things show up in church? Because one thing we know from the work of George Barna, and this is not true for necessarily all of us in the room, but the vast majority of us in this room came to faith and came to church involvement uh, by, before or by adolescence, right? So just like we've been doing some of the same things in our other types of relationships, many of us are doing the same things in church today that we were doing to navigate our churches of origin uh, however many years ago. Uh, thank you so much for your, your feedback, for your participation. Uh, it, it really uh, helps me to hear from you what you're hearing, what you're not hearing, and also thank you for all the examples you've offered. Uh, George should be back with us next week, so looking forward to that. And uh, I think that's really the only news at Otter Creek today, so I, uh, <laughs> you're dismissed. Well done, well done, well done. Well done. <laughs>